Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Fathers? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined by my man, Jordan Della Valley. You can find us on Twitter, Sky Guasco and J Della Valley 7. We just celebrated our 500th episode, 501 dropped as well, and now we're at episode 502, getting it done here. As I mentioned last episode, I squeezed in our week 11 waiver wire ad show, did it solo, and then I actually took Jordan in my usual episode and crunched that also into that episode as well for the week 10 game recap. So Jordan and I, usually on Tuesday nights, recap all of the games from the previous week. I've already done that. If you want to get onto those uh, waiver wire ads and game recap, style it back one episode to 501. But I wanted to leave extra time and build in a special segment for everybody that we've been asking, um, basically asking ourselves to dive into this material. But it's because of you all asking us to get it for you. And that's basically a look ahead to the second half of the season. The 500th episode, if you have not yet tuned into it, was with Cynthia Freeland analytical expert from NFL Network. Dial back and hit that one up. It's a quick one. It's about 20, 25 minutes. She was gracious enough to share some time, so I wanted to make sure I was respectful of that. So check that out for episode 500. Cynthia gives her second half advice. Jordan and I are going to give ours tonight, and then Bucky, Bob, and Levy are going to give you theirs tomorrow as well. So the entire team plus Cynthia Freeland is going to give you second half ideas, league winners, Fades, fantasy schedule, look-ins, playoff preview for fantasy football. We got it all here for you on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. I see you all tuning into the comments. We will get to you in just a second. Jordan, great to have you back, man. Exciting week. Both of our squads uh, come up proper and, and get some dubs. And and frankly, I don't know about – well, for the, for the Niners, definitely an upset. Eagles may be an upset as well, considering how the Broncos played two weeks ago against the uh, Dallas Cowboys, man. But nice, fun week of football. And uh, no game recap tonight, but we're going to get into the second half. And I'm going to kick it off right away for our hot topic of the day. Of course, that is always brought to us by Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Banana-based, not banana-flavored hot sauce. Our good friends out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I kind of want to turn it to you, man, and and do a little uh, uh, unusual, I guess, um, hot topic and kind of put the spotlight on you a little bit. So preseason, you had reached out and I had asked people on the show uh, if there was anyone interested in uh, becoming a member of the TCK. And that's always an open invite, by the way. If anybody out there is a graphic designer, we could use help with production on video or audio. We can use uh, help with their social media um, campaigns or a contributor, we could definitely use help with that as well. Or if you just want to, you know, cut your teeth in the industry with uh, analytical breakdowns, get on the show, you know, whatever. Um, if you're if you're legitimately interested in doing that, feel free to reach out to myself or anybody here on the show, and uh, we can get connected and see if it's a good fit moving forward. Lucas Kaser did that a couple of years ago, and he ran with me for a year and a half. Dewey's did the same thing, ran with me last season. And you hear him on Monday nights. Bobby, of course, now the current co-host and runs his own shows on uh, select nights. He did that last season, reached out, boom. 
he's on the show here and he's been a, a you know integral part since then. And now we've connected with Levy and Buck also on the fantasy focus side, connecting TCK together. Well, the fifth member, the fifth consistent member here is Jordan Delavalle. And he reached out this preseason asking if he could contribute and wanted to uh, kind of get familiar with the industry and come onto the show and give his analytical and statistical background a try here with the fantasy industry. And we're so happy to have him, of course. So Jordan, I want to kind of just ask you, the hot topic is what have you learned in the first half of this fantasy football season that maybe you didn't consider or you didn't necessarily understand or think about or see before you kind of put on an analytical hat, because I know you're new to the industry, you're new to this show uh, this season at least, and you've been an incredible co- uh, contributor, of course, on Sunday Lives as well. But in the first 10 weeks, what have you personally learned and how has being on this show and doing this data research and background stuff uh, working with us, how has it changed you as a fantasy player for better or worse, really, um, because I'm a completely different player and fantasy fan and participant than I was four years ago before I started the show now that I host here over 500 episodes. So I'm curious for you, man, the hot topic, what has changed for you putting on the analytical hat uh, now in fantasy football? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me, um, A, taking a more analytical approach to fantasy and really diving into stats and and, uh, obviously being more invested in actually watching not just the Eagles lose every week, but also every, every, uh, you know, being more invested in other NFL games as well. Um, But pile on top of that, that this league has been, or this year has been my highest uh, involvement in the fantasy community in terms of total leagues, right? Like, uh, you know, involved in a couple of the listener leagues and and, um, things that we do here through TCK pod, um, a couple of charity leagues, as well as, you know, obviously my home leagues. But the key thing that I've taken away is my teams, unfortunately, although mostly at the top, of course, are spread throughout. Um, a lot of the standings uh, in some of my leagues. And so what's really enlightening is in the same season, how your fantasy strategy from week to week or, you know, rest of season can and should change based on where you are in uh, your fantasy standings. And I think previously not being, you know, as involved in the community, but um, also having less leagues, uh, you don't get that wide variety from year to year, right? If you're in two, three leagues, you're probably, uh, you know, not having that same distribution of standings and and therefore strategy. Um, So it's really interesting to be in that vast leagues, be in more involved uh, week to week in terms of, you know, midweek and prepping for shows, um, taking a deeper look at the data uh, to help inform those different strategies. Um, And then obviously, you know, for those listeners being able to relay that strategy and say, Hey, when you, come to us with a trade question, a start sit question, like think about it in terms of where you are in the standings and whether or not that's something that you would want to take, uh, you know, either risk or, um, you know, a more conservative approach on. I love that. Did you find that once you joined the show preseason and then we got into draft season, you mentioned you're a part of some of the TCK listener leagues. Mm-hmm. We have a guillotine league. We have the TCK listener league. Um, I had a couple more running this summer in a NFL survivor pick them pool and all that. Um, Did you find yourself drafting any differently uh, after you could kind of bounce stuff off of, you know, us or um, do you find like, you know, you have like your 10, 15, 20 favorite players and you 
try to make sure to get all those guys so your teams look the same or are you really scattered with without because I have eight teams some of them are dynasty so they don't really count because yeah. they're drafted obviously years ago um but the three or four redraft leagues um I have like four or five key players that I tried to have in every league for better or worse but everybody else is pretty scattered and I'm usually not like that so I'm curious how that worked out for you this year yeah, it, it actually backfired in my, my high school home league. And, and I say that because that was actually my last draft. We held it like Labor Day weekend or something like that. So I'd done a lot of, you know, I'd done the listener league. I had done, actually, I think they were the same night, my listener league and, and the high school draft. Um, but where it backfired is I did all these early drafts where I took a bunch of Cooper Cup. I have him on four or five teams. I took a bunch of, uh, unfortunately, Calvin Ridley, Raheem Mostert's, where I got to my high school league and I was like, I don't know if I'm wrong about these guys and I kind of got to spread some of this around. And so I ended up taking like a Juju, uh, a Robert Woods. I'm not kidding. This is my actual draft. I, I can show you after these are very unfortunate. I'm very thin at wide receiver. Um, but you know, uh, Deandre Hopkins. So took these guys that I was kind of like, you know what, let me just diversify a little bit just in case I'm wrong and got hit with the injury bug. Um, and, and now two and seven in last place. <laughs> happens man happens yeah. Ridley was definitely on there Raheem Mostert was a guy that I drafted everywhere of course he gets hurt on the second carry of the season uh that was tough and and um due to draft position mainly I avoided guys unintentionally but thankfully like Christian McCaffrey um you know Saquon Barkley I just passed on in the first round I didn't get a lot of Alvin Kamara although he's like my top three favorite player this year and he's been fine but not Alvin Kamara quite so it's been very interesting and I did not go with Travis Kelsey in the first round like a lot of people did although I wanted to but I usually went with Devontae Adams or you know Nick Chubb or somebody in that range instead and while I sometimes regret that like last you know the other night the season overall hasn't really been a differentiator so interesting there man and I, I again Appreciate having you on the show. Uh, you're a great contributor and our good uh, loyal listener and, and uh, participant here, our friend Beach on Twitch. Uh, Jordan is a great analyst. Well-spoken. Same to you, Sky. I agree, man. This, you know That's what that's what Ivy League will do to you, so I, I appreciate it, brother. Well done. We're happy to have you on, man, and let's get into it. We got a fun one tonight. We're going to be jumping in again <clears throat> to our second half preview. For fantasy football, that is our league winners, our fades, a little bit of fantasy schedule look ahead, and some playoff preview as well. Once again, that was our hot topic brought to you by Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, banana base, not banana flavored. You can go to seekthespice.com. Use the promo code TCK for 10% off of your order when you check out. Our good friend Grant and the boys out of the University of Michigan. Couple of couple of guys came up with a great idea to use the uh, fruit base of bananas to add in that natural sugar. It's absolutely delicious. They got a mild and a hot flavor. Absolutely delicious. Banana based, not banana flavored. Go check them out again. Bomb banana hot sauce. Seekthespice.com. Promo code TCK. All right, buddy. Let's get into it. I'm gonna let you kick it off here. I'm gonna let you get into one or two of your league winners rest of season. Now these are players that we're looking to trade for, right? This is the type of year where bye weeks have either, you know, a lot of them, half the league has gone on a bye. The other half of the league has them coming up. Some teams you want to get rid of before they have a bye. Other players you want to kind of, 
maybe get a hold of because they've already had a buy. So you don't have to worry about that. We have injuries cropping up as we know COVID kind of comes and goes not as bad as last year, obviously, but it's, it's a factor. So who are maybe one or two players for the rest of the season? And you can include fantasy playoffs being a factor or not, but who are a couple of players? And again, just a reminder with the 17th NFL game, 18th week, your fantasy playoffs should be week 15, 16, and 17. You have your wild card, if you want to call it that, in week 15. Then you have your conference championships, if you want to call it that, in week 16. And your fantasy championship should be in week 17 now. We've always said it's week 16. Now it's week 17, leaving week 18 open. If you're in a two-week championship league, which I'm in a couple of those, I think those are fun, then you can add week 18 in it. But if you're just doing one for your championship, please make sure it's week 17 because a lot of star players, especially playoff-bound teams, sit or they play limited time, and that's just not a fun roster to have to juggle there in uh, your fantasy playoffs. So just a disclaimer, 15, 16, 17 fantasy playoffs. Jordan, kick it off, man. Rest of season league winners trade four candidates. Floor is yours. Yeah, absolutely. My first one, I, I can't remember if it was our last episode, Sky, or if it was uh, during the Sunday Live that I talked about. Miles Sanders of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's I always try to err on the side of not highlighting Eagles players just because I don't want it to come off as, hey, I'm I'm you know an Eagles fan, and of course I want Miles Sanders to do well. But this uh, trade for targeting of, of Miles Sanders actually comes from a place of literally looking at the data and, and not just saying, I think and hope that Miles Sanders does well. But if we look at the um, Eagles' upcoming schedule, it's really why I, I want to target Miles Sanders. Uh, compared to all running backs, so looking at um, when I mentioned rest of season, I'm looking at the average fantasy points allowed um, for that position of uh, upcoming opponents rest of season. Um, Same thing with playoffs, obviously, like you mentioned, I'm now limiting that to uh, weeks 15, 16, and 17. So Miles Sanders' uh, rest of season schedule compared to all other teams, the Eagles have the fourth easiest schedule in terms of uh, fantasy points allowed uh, in the NFL. Now, I get it. Like there was worries of uh, Miles Sanders being in a running back by committee. Maybe that's even more of a concern now with Jordan Howard, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott. I mean, there, there's a ton of mouths to feed. Uh, but I think it's it's been obvious, even with the running backs that they have now, that there's pretty much going to be, if not a, a main one, it's going to be at least a you know one two. It's going to be a one A one B. Right now, it's surprisingly Jordan Howard for some reason. Um, but so. That gives me even more confidence. If it were Kenny, Gain- Kenny Gainwell that had taken over while Sanders was on the IR, I might be a little bit more hesitant. Uh, but because of the fact that it's Jordan Howard that took his spot, I'm confident that when Miles Sanders gets back, he'll fill right back into that role. So his upcoming schedule to get you to the playoffs, uh, his playoff schedule is actually 11th best. So, you know, average middle of the road, kind of top uh, of that middle section. But fourth best. Uh, rest of season he gets the Saints Giants Jets uh, Washington football team without uh, Chase Young after his bye Giants again football team again um, and then Dallas 10 the season um, or you know round out that that upcoming schedule but also looking at the Eagles rush offense when Miles Sanders was healthy in you know weeks uh, one through six 
the Eagles were only running the ball 43% of, of rush plays. Now they did go two and four in those uh, games, but since Miles Sanders has been out the last four games, um, they've, they've run on 56% of plays. Again, they went two and two in that, in that stretch. So yes, they were, you know, winning more often, potentially running out the clock late uh, rather than, you know, having Jalen Hurts scramble around. Um, but again, look, going back to the upcoming schedule, like these are games that the Eagles should be winning or at least leading or, you know, not being blown out giants, jets, football team, giants, football team, again, like I'm pretty confident that the Eagles are going to continue on this trend of running the ball more often in wins, um, and convincingly with miles Sanders, assuming that, you know, he's fully healthy rest of season. So when do you think he actually returns? I mean, I think there's obviously talk of uh, him coming back this week. Um, I think that looking at when the buy is, like there's no concern of, oh, they'll just hold him out a week or two uh, until the buy. They have three more games until the buy. I don't think Miles Sanders sits, uh, you know, all three of those weeks to get him that extra week of rest that, you know, sometimes teams do with the upcoming buy. Um, so if he's not back this week, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I think the based on the initial timelines that were given when he did get injured, um, seeing him come back for that Giants game. Um, but I could see him coming back and at least splitting the work with Jordan Howard still there this week, you know, giving him a snap count, pitch count, whatever you want to call it. Saints this week, very tough matchup against running backs no matter what. So, um, you know, they've had up and down games the last three weeks with Trevor Simeon, but Saints usually pretty prolific against the run. If you were to play this week, I'm not excited about it. After that, though, you mentioned – at the Giants, divisional game, you never know what will happen there between those two teams. And then at the Jets, right? I mean, that's that's definitely a, a plus game there before that bye week. So maybe a buy-low opportunity on Miles Sanders. Look, man, I'm going to save my case on Miles Sanders because, I've you know, I said it all offseason. I've said it three years, right? Like, I, I or two years, I guess. I like this kid a lot. And when he came out and obviously followed up Saquon Barkley at, at Penn State or whatever, I thought he was great. And he, when he landed in Philly, I was really stoked about it. But then they just haven't used him properly at all. Yes, he's had a couple of big runs, but his efficiency has been terrible, unfortunately. So, yes, the talent might be there, but I just don't like that boom-bust player at any position. Definitely not at running back. So I've faded Miles Sanders myself for the last couple of seasons. That being said, if they're actually going to use him like they use Jordan Howard – and the talent for Miles Sanders over Jordan Howard is not even, you know, a conversation. I've been tongue in cheek about Kenny Gainwell all season because I think they don't use him properly either. But if they get Miles Sanders eighty percent of the work, get rid of Boston Scott's usage, even Kenny Gainwell and Jordan Howard, this kid could really have an opportunity. My concerns were week one, fifteen carries, love it. Week two, thirteen, meh, but okay. Two, seven, eleven, nine, and six before he went down in week seven. So you mentioned obviously more rushing opportunity coming up, but not a good first half to the season. And I hate being right when I don't like players and I fade them and then I end up being correct. That's not good for me or fantasy. And unfortunately, so far I've been correct on Miles Sanders, unfortunately. So hopefully a second half turnaround for Miles Sanders. We can uh, hope for not only Eagles fans, but fantasy as well. All right, so Miles Sanders, your first trade for candidate. Again, he's injured, hasn't played since week seven, so three weeks off, got a bye week coming up. He's probably dirt cheap in redraft leagues. I mean, I can't imagine he was dropped necessarily, but go check your, your waivers just in case. I mean, you could put him on IR for a while till he comes back. Go look for Miles Sanders if you're open to that. 
Next up, man, you got another player here that you're looking to trade for as a league winner? Yeah, absolutely. My other one is uh, Corey Davis, wide receiver from New York Jets. So uh, just like you mentioned where Miles Sanders is is probably uh, pretty cheap given coming off an injury, uh, hasn't had the production that you you know kind of hoped for, similar logic applies for Corey Davis, right? He's been out due to injury. Um, and in that time span, you've obviously, if you were the Corey Davis manager, you had the uh, great week one uh, where he just balled out with Zach Wilson, things were looking up. And then since then you've kind of been disappointed um, because of the injury and because of, you know, not living up to that week one performance. But currently uh, Corey Davis is wide receiver 28 in PPR points per game uh, at the fantasy in uh, fantasy football. So you're looking at, you know, in a 12 team league, a high end wide receiver three out of Corey Davis. So if you start three wide receivers or two wide receivers in a flex, um, you know, Corey Davis is actually a pretty solid option that in terms of week in and week out points per game uh, should be in your lineup. Uh, that wide receiver 28 is good for 13.6 fantasy uh, points per game in, in PPR format. The problem is he hasn't been getting a lot of attention because I mentioned of that injury and is uh, wide receiver 41 uh, overall. So in terms of like overall production doesn't look great because of the games he's missed due to injury. Um, but like I mentioned with Miles Sanders, Corey Davis, uh, in terms of his rest of season uh, schedule and as well as the playoffs for all wide receivers, he's facing the seventh best uh, rest of season strength against wide receivers and fourth best once you make it to the playoffs. So Corey Davis is looking at the easier portion of his schedule uh, upcoming games, Miami, Houston Eagles saints is a obviously tough matchup, but then Miami and Jacksonville again. And I, I think the best part about Corey Davis as your wide receiver two or wide receiver three is the target consistency that he's had, regardless of whoever it's been at quarterback um, with the New York Jets. So I took a look this season with and without Zach Wilson uh, playing. Corey Davis actually averages slightly more targets with Zach Wilson uh, at the quarterback position, um, but not by much. It's like seven to like 7.5, 7.6. So he's getting an extra half target or, or a little bit more with Zach Wilson, who should be the starter when he is healthy, uh, just given the draft capital that the Jets spent on him. So you're getting that extra half target, but even if for whatever reason Wilson gets hurt again um, or – uh, you know, isn't the starter when he gets back. Corey Davis has seen that same target consistency throughout. Um, the plus side of Zach Wilson coming back is that Elijah Moore has broken out recently in the last couple of weeks, uh, but obviously has not been with Zach Wilson under center. And so getting Zach Wilson back, the question is, you know, does he uh, lean more on, on Corey Davis than he did on, um, or than the other quarterbacks did uh, with Elijah Moore? It's all about continuity, right? Bobby preaches it constantly, and continuity between quarterback and wide receivers is huge. And I say this pretty consistently on the show. Number ones go with number ones. Number twos go with number twos. And the number one is Zach Wilson. The number one is Corey Davis. And it's been mixed up the last couple of weeks because Corey Davis is hurt for a little bit. Now Zach Wilson's hurt. But in the first couple of weeks, Corey Davis was a, a target monster, as you mentioned, and touchdown upside there. So kind of a sleeper candidate, I agree. I think a lot of people have kind of forgot about Corey Davis, to be honest with you, and finally had his breakout with Tennessee last year before moving over to uh, New Jersey with the Jets here. So hopefully we can see another resurgence of Corey Davis. I like that one a lot. All right, Jordan, Miles Sanders and Corey Davis. 
are the rest of season league winners for Jordan. I'm going to jump right into mine here and give you my league winners as well. And I'm going to start with, well, two kind of, I've got two for sure, but two at the quarterback position. And then I've got a running back as well. Justin Fields, just a quick mention. A, this one seems kind of obvious. Uh, he has yet to play. Like, look, if Trey Lance started this week and we knew he was playing the rest of the season, he would be a league winner breakout opportunity as well. Rush upside alone gives him an opportunity. The last two weeks that Justin Fields has played, Allen Robinson has gotten a spike. Darnell Mooney has gotten a spike. We got a question here. How do we feel about Darnell Mooney? I love Darnell Mooney, right? Number two in unrealized air yards last season. I drafted him everywhere late. They just haven't been able to click. But two weeks ago before the bye week against Pittsburgh on national TV, two touchdowns for Darnell Mooney. One rushing, one uh, receiving. Kind of a Debo Samuel role, if you will. And uh, I like to see that. We know that Justin Fields can extend drives, right? He can keep plays alive. Um, and reminds me of your guy, Jalen Hurts, right? And Jalen Hurts does it ugly. We all know that he's not the best NFL quarterback. Um, that's for the ups in the league to decide. For fantasy, Jalen Hurts is awesome. Justin Fields might be a little rough around the edges as well right now in development as a rookie, but I think in the second half coming out of the bye, David Montgomery coming back, very strong in his debut back. Um, Khalil Herbert right behind him. Cole Komet starting to come out of his shell. Jimmy Graham still around as well. They've got a real opportunity there in Chicago to be a nice offense down the stretch. Not a great strength of schedule, 24th among quarterbacks, but when you have that rushing upside, kind of evens out a little bit, back to middle of the pack. So I like Justin Fields a lot, but I want to spotlight Ryan Tannehill. 19th rest of season strength of schedule overall. Not extremely impressive, but when it comes to fantasy playoffs, 11th among quarterbacks in the fantasy playoffs. Again, weeks 15 through 17. Derrick Henry, of course, out. Now, he's on IR now. There's kind of mixed reports of he might come back for – you know, the fantasy playoffs in week 14, 15, 16, he might come back for the NFL playoffs, which is after we're done in fantasy. Obviously he may not return at all. If he does return though, I think it actually helps Ryan Tannehill. That offense, as you saw with Deontay Foreman, who hasn't played in five years due to injury, Adrian Peterson, who's 36 years old, right. And Jeremy McNichols, who hasn't been able to start for an NFL team yet in his career, they're still able to be a potent offense because of the scheme, play action, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones on occasion, but of course he's on IR as well. This offense is going to be fine with or without Derrick Henry, and it gets better, obviously, with Derrick Henry. That helps Ryan Tannehill. Also, sneaky five rushing touchdowns on the season for Ryan Tannehill, seven in the last two seasons. Preseason, I had him you know, as one of my kind of breakout guys, Matt Stafford, one of those middle-round um, uh, quarterbacks I was looking if you didn't get one of the top guys and I said the only knock I was worried about was not getting seven rushing touchdowns because he had spiked two years in a row which are career highs he's at five halfway through the season if there's no Derrick Henry on the goal line he might get four or five more in the second half there so that boosts him in four point per passing touchdown leagues of course so Ryan Tannehill looks since coming to Tennessee Leaving Adam Gase, as we all know, my boy Marcus Mariota, unfortunately, 
going down has given Ryan Tannehill the opportunity, and he has been absolutely prolific in a per-game basis against great teams, the Chiefs, the Bills, right, in the last handful of weeks. He's played very, very well here, and uh, I think Ryan Tannehill could be a league winner. I'm looking to trade for him if I possibly can, and I don't think people are that high on him because Henry is out. Do you feel the same about Ryan Tannehill, or do you just kind of want to stay away from Tennessee without King Henry? I feel the same about Ryan Tannehill. Actually, in, in the TCK pod uh, listener league, the rookie one that I'm I'm in this year is obviously new to TCK pod. Uh, I actually traded for Tannehill a couple weeks back. And actually, nice. what's even funnier is uh, I traded in that trade. It was Tannehill and Corey Davis. Uh, nice. So got both <laughs> got my league winner and yours. I'm currently <laughs> in third, which means I think that league is now over since I have two league winners. Attaboy. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I, I do feel the same about Tannehill. What's interesting, though, is what about any other offensive options in terms of, like, obviously not as, as high of a trade for, but potentially a, you know, streaming options to keep uh, an eye on moving forward in good matchups. But who else from this Tennessee uh, offense are we willing to buy in on? Because if you're willing to trade for Tannehill like Sky and I are, then the question becomes, well, who gets who's on the other end of that? Because it's not going to be Tannehill running the ball all the time. And so, yes, you're going to have A.J. Brown. But, again, there, there's got to be a Corey Davis of last season where someone else is the funnel in this offense that is, uh, you know, gets the benefit of the double team on it, on A.J. Brown for on occasion. And so Julio Jones is on IR. It's not really any of the running backs, especially if you're looking for a pass-catching option. Is it? Berkser? Is it uh, like any of the wide receivers or, you know, Michael Pruitt? <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you, do you have like five for a hundred last week or something? Yeah. Crushing like that? it. Ridiculous. It's been, t- it's been tough to, to look outside of AJ Brown, but I mean, yeah, Corey Davis had a resurgence last year, but AJ Brown's done a lot by himself. And it's a really unselfish offense. Like AJ Brown's a superstar. If Julio actually gets healthy, he is a superstar clearly, but you know, AP's a name, but he's not what he used to be. And these other guys are good bodies, but they're not superstars either. You know, it's just the, the Titans remain to impress um, best team in the AFC right now, just rolled over the two other best teams in the AFC and the bills and the chiefs recently. So in my opinion, man, um, on a good day with Henry back, like the AFC goes through Tennessee, not Kansas City, not Buffalo, not Baltimore. And uh, I think Mike Vrabel's just done an absolutely hell of a job um, over there. And their defense is getting better there as well. All right. So Justin Fields and Ryan Tannehill, both my league winners. I do have one more, though, at the running back position. And this is a guy that I've been preaching preseason, drafting him everywhere in the middle to late rounds, depending on your format. I've been repping him all season long. And I think me and the fantasy community are just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. But like Rashad Bateman, I do think this rookie also takes off in the second half. And that is my man, Javante Williams. I know I've been exhausted about this and Rashad Bateman. It is coming for both of them. When you compare Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams side by side, it's not even close. They're getting the same amount of work, right? Like every Week, you're kind of like, eh, it's 50 50. They're both getting whatever, you know, 12 carries, of you know, five targets or something like that. They get about the same amount of work. Melvin Gordon scores the touchdown, but when you dive into the stats, like we like to do here, go a little bit deeper, you realize that Javante Williams is doing a hell of a lot more with less opportunity 
and that is what rookies and younger running backs often do. And then they eventually catch that stride if the veteran slips at all or if an injury, you know, I don't want Melvin Gordon to get hurt, but if they go less of a timeshare and Melvin Gordon starts slowing down and doesn't score as much, Devontae starts getting some of those, it's going to swing quickly. I've made this reference a few times, but if you remember a few years ago when Nick Chubb was a rookie with the Cleveland Browns, Carlos Hyde, still at the edge of his prime, was doing well for the Browns. But Carlos or um, Nick Chubb came out and blew him out of the water, frankly, when with limited touches. We saw that next season. Nick Chubb get that opportunity. Boom. So Javante next year wheels up. Second half here, though, I like it as well. I'm going to compare the two in just a second, but the Denver Broncos as a whole, so Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, third best rest of season schedule for opponents versus running backs. So the opponents that the Denver Broncos are playing for the rest of the year, including the playoffs, they have the third best matchup do the uh, Broncos running backs. They're fourth best when it comes to the fantasy playoffs, weeks 15 through 17. Three of those teams, right? 15, 16, 17, those matchups, those three teams are giving up a collective 81 PPR fantasy points to running backs this season so far, just halfway through. So, you know, that's about, you know, 23 something plus points uh, per game to running backs. If you're splitting that with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, it's not as great, right? You're looking at 12 and a half points a piece. If Javante starts taking the, the reins there, 18, 20 points for him. I love that, right? When you compare the two, Bobby and I have been over this relentlessly. When you compare the two, it's not even close. Again, similar workload, but Javante Williams is eighth in the NFL with seven breakaway runs of 15 yards or more. He's 25th in carries. Okay, this is important. I'm going to compare the same stats. Eighth in the NFL in breakaway runs, 15 yards or more. He's 25th in carries in the NFL. He's 10th in catch rate, 24th, though, in targets. That's Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon, 31st in the NFL with just three breakaway runs of 15 yards or more. So Javante Williams has four more of those carries, 15 yards or more. And he's 33rd, Melvin Gordon's 33rd in catch rate with the same number of targets, which is 29th, 29 each. So Javante Williams is more efficient running the ball. He's more burst. And Melvin Gordon is less efficient catching the ball as well. 10th in catch rate for Javante, 33rd for Melvin Gordon. Eighth in breakaway runs for Javante, 31st for Melvin Gordon. Again, Melvin's scoring the touchdowns, but Javante could also be getting those. If they turn the tide, Javante Williams is going to be a league winner. We saw it last year with uh, James Robinson. We saw it last year with Jonathan Taylor, right? We saw it last year, I mean... uh, Cam Akers started going off in the second half there. And J.K. Dobbins, of course, got hurt preseason here, but he went off second half last year. DeAndre Swift started becoming a thing last year when Adrian Peterson moved on. So rookies in the second half, wheels up. Javante Williams is going to be that guy in the second half. Am I crazy? Are you Team Gordon? Do you want just the 12 points and be safe? Or are you looking for a breakout here from the kid Williams? Yeah, I mean, I'm Team Williams here because of the upside, right? It's not even like today, if this continues, the trend that they're on and they do this, I mean, almost literally split down the middle work, 50-50 share, you have that floor of, of 12 points per game. It's not like Javante Williams is only getting three to six touches a game and uh, you know is getting like 25% of, of the snap share. 
it's a pretty dead split right now. So at worst, I'm going to have what I have today, which is a serviceable RB2, RB3 in both of them. Now, Javante, I think, has all the upside in that if Melvin Gordon gets hurt or, you know, as the year goes on, Broncos want to see more what they have in their rookie running back, give him more of the workload as they potentially fall out of this playoff race as well. But uh, that's where the upside is for Williams. I don't think there's any upside for Gordon. It's not like Gordon's going to do uh, short of a Williams injury, which is probably less likely than a Gordon injury. But short of Williams getting injured, this snap share and, and uh, workload is not going to increase for Gordon. It's only going to decrease from here on out. So out of those two, I'm definitely team Williams. I think the question that for you is, what are you willing to trade for? Uh, you know, Williams is the, or what are you willing to trade away to get Williams knowing that, you know, he does have the floor with the high upside. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, it's hard to trade another running back, but I have to imagine that a Javante Williams hasn't been playing like a number one or a two. So nobody's counting on him to do that or shouldn't be hopefully. Um, and they also drafted him in the eighth, ninth, 10th round. Right. So yes, the, like the, the hype is real, I think across, you know, the fantasy community, but I don't think he's going to be super expensive in redraft leagues in dynasty. There's no chance. <laughs> like everyone drafted him this year waiting for next year. Like there's no chance you're getting him in dynasty, like Jamar chase and Pitts and Najee and stuff. But in redraft leagues, I don't think he'd be that expensive to be honest with you. And if you can, you know, either package, you know, uh, a running or a wide receiver, we're going to give you four fades here in a second. So maybe one of these guys, um, which are these, all four of our fades are higher profile names than Javante Williams. So you could probably package one of our fades for Javante Williams plus and get another like wide receiver three or somebody like that, which might be an option there as well. So look, you could go real risky if you're like, you know, Shit, if you're eight and two, seven and three, you're up at the top looking pretty. You could get really risky if you need running back help, and you can trade for Miles Sanders, who's not even playing yet, and frankly was not good before he started or before he got hurt. And then you could trade for Javante Williams also, and really just hope for that second half resurgence. Because if both these guys do break out as we're predicting in the second half, yo, you're talking two league winners for really. I mean. I think dirt cheap right now for both those guys in uh, in redraft leagues. So that'll be that'll be interesting there. All right, I see the rest of you guys tuning in for uh, the comment section. We're going to get to the comments and all the trade talk here in just a little bit, but I want to uh, highlight one really quick. Our friend Nice Try, always in multiple times on the Sunday live show. What it is, homies, always appreciate the advice. Well, sometimes. Good luck this week. Good luck to you, my man. We will see you on Sunday morning. And we do our best, I promise. I know they don't always come through, but we appreciate you. All right, y'all. Jordan and I are going to take a quick commercial break. As we do that, we're going to give a shout-out to our friends at the Jersey Jungle for all of you thinking to yourself, look, I need to get myself a Miles Sanders, a Corey Davis, a Justin Fields, a Ryan Tannehill, a Javante Williams, maybe even a Melvin Gordon jersey. This is where you do it, the Jersey Jungle. Jordan and I will be right back after this commercial break. Are you a merchandise maniac or Jersey junkie like myself? You need to check out the Jersey Jungle. They handle their business on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle. You can use a promo code TCK for 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three or more jerseys. Now, if you've been watching the show, 
for this season or a couple seasons, you know that my backdrop, if you're streaming live with us on video, you know my backdrop is always a couple of jerseys. Those jerseys are coming from the Jersey Jungle. They're high-quality stitch and twill jerseys. I collect NFL jerseys, but I'm also a baseball guy. So I have baseball jerseys as well. I collect Hall of Fame jerseys. I have a Jackie Robinson. I have a Ken Griffey Jr. I have a Willie Mays jersey. I got a Shohei Otani jersey as well because the guy has been absolutely on fire. Go get yourself a jersey. Basketball, baseball, hockey, football, college. They got rookies as well. Home away. They have customs. They have camouflage. Whatever you're feeling, retro jerseys from any sport, go hit up the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. DM the Jersey Jungle. Use the promo code TCK for 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. These are already half price that you're going to find on the websites. They're high quality stitch and twill game authentic jerseys. Go check them out. The Jersey Jungle on Instagram. All right, yes. big up to our friends at the Jersey Jungle. Excellent. Again, Stitch and Twill jerseys. Got my man Frankie Gore. I got Ricky Williams behind me. You heard about all the other ones that I've capped. I've got three also in the mail. My new order, stoked. Uh, spoiler alert, it's basketball season. And uh, I'm a fan of all sports. Grew up in the Bay Area. Happened to be a Warriors fan. And uh, good time to be a Warriors fan. And uh, Clay isn't even back yet. I'll just throw that out there. All right, man, let's get into the second half. Fades. Now, this is a tough one. This is this is where we can get into some trouble because if we're telling people to trade these players away, we trade these players away ourselves, and they either remain awesome because all four of these players are good or they turn it up because maybe they've been struggling. That's why they're in their fade category. We're like, eh, no thanks, and then they blow up second half. We're going to be eating crow, unfortunately. So, Jordan, I'm going to have you kick off first. <laughs> And uh, see if I can, you know, uh, have you, you know, st take a, take some of those lumps early in the comment section here. Yeah, All four of these players are players I want on my fantasy team, but if I can move them either off of hype or name brand or draft capital preseason, I'm in in agreement with all four of these guys. So, who is your first trade away player and your fantasy fade for the second half of the season? Yeah, these are these are always the tougher ones. If you miss out on trading for someone, they were never on your team. You're just like, I I couldn't get them, or that, it, I wouldn't have been able to get it anyway. Right. It doesn't hurt as much as trading someone away and watch them beat you in the in the playoffs. But <laughs> uh, been there. <laughs> so my first one uh, is actually I'm going to the tight end position, T.J. Hawkinson. So obviously, it coming off of a one target, zero catch, brutal game by TJ Hawkinson last week, it seems like an easier call than it actually is. Currently, TJ Hawkinson's the tight end five on the season, which is pretty much where you drafted him around, right? Whether you preferred Andrews or Hawkinson as your four or five after um, the Kittle, Waller, Kelsey. Um, obviously, who knows where you put Pitts in there, but Tight end five on the season. He is tight end seven in terms of uh, points per game at the tight end position. Um, but also hasn't really scored since week two. So if we look at everything after week two, week three, Hawkinson was the tight end 34. Week The next week, tight end 20. And then uh, again in tight end seven, or uh, sorry, week seven was tight end 11. So was barely you know serviceable at the tight end position in a 12-man in league. When you compare that, uh, even the, the weeks that he had good weeks on 
uh, if you compare those weeks to what you could have done as, you know, a streaming tight end position, uh, just playing the matchup in the waiver wire, TJ Hawkinson's not really giving you much more uh, than than what you could do uh, streaming a tight end. From week three on, so again, excluding those first two weeks where he scored his touchdown, in seven games he's at eight fantasy points per game in PPR format. The whole reason why everyone loved TJ Hawkinson before the draft and the pre-draft season was where else was the Detroit offense going to go? They were going to be down a lot. Passes were either going to go to him or uh, DeAndre Swift, right? And even though that still feels like what we expect of the Lions, TJ Hawkinson just hasn't been catching. He hasn't been used in the past game of the, you know, he's been uh, in more uh, as a block, as a blocker. So from week three on, tight end 19 on the season, um, you know, season long pace at 8.6 fancy points per game. And if all of that wasn't enough for you, Sky, let's look at the rest of his uh, season strength of schedule and playoff strength of schedule. Uh, in terms of points given up to the tight end position, TJ Hawkinson has the 32nd best uh, strength of schedule. Another way of saying that is the worst. He has the hardest schedule for the tight end position rest of season. And it doesn't get really better in the playoffs. Playoff stretch, 25th best. So TJ Hawkinson is looking at a hard schedule in terms of fancy tight end uh, production this season. He hasn't been doing it from week three on. If he doesn't score, uh, which he did the first two weeks, he's basically the tight end 17 or 19. But you can do better streaming less known names and trade away Hawkinson for the name value at what is usually a scarce position. Dan Arnold, seven targets in three of the last four games for Jacksonville. TJ Hawkinson had one. Pat Fryermuth coming off of two touchdowns had a, another you know terrible game. Dalton Schultz had two fantasy points last week. Zach Ertz has resurged after a year and a half off basically in Philadelphia, reborn his career in Arizona. Basically hasn't even played with Kyler yet very much either. And here we are with TJ Hawkinson, a must start in your lineup, unfortunately, because you have that name brand, you have to play him. And then you get these duds. It's tough. You're totally right, man. Like I was super high on him because you hit the nail on the head. Where else are they going to go? Yeah. DeAndre Swift is going to catch some passes. Well, I mean, 30 touches last week. Like what the hell are we doing against uh, Pittsburgh who stops the run and Anthony Lynn is just relentless. I mean, he's, he's running backs all day long. TJ Hawkinson, this is the worst possible week to move TJ Hawkinson off of a dud, but just if he hope he scores a touchdown in the next week or two and try to move off of that. I'm with Jordan. I have him on two rosters. Thankfully, I have Pat Fryermuth and Dalton Schultz because uh, I'm kind of a two tight end guy no matter what, just in case. So I've been bailed out most of the time on Hawkinson, but it's hard to sit him for anybody, and then you get, you get a let up there. Okay, TJ Hawkinson, your first fade trade-away player. Who is your next one? Yeah, my second one is uh, Clyde Edwards-Lair, running back of the Kansas City Chiefs. And so the main reason why this one is a sell for me is basically the opposite uh, thought process behind my Miles Sanders take, in that when Clyde Edwards-Lair went down, we saw Darrell Williams come in and uh, do fantastically. Even when uh, Clyde went down, a lot of people were saying, oh, is it going to be Darrell? Is it going to be Jarek McKinnon? Obviously, lean Darrell, but... He's absolutely performed well in that role. And 
my take with Miles Sanders, I was saying, is that Jordan Howard is filling in the Miles Sanders role, doing well, but the talent level obviously will be Sanders' job coming back. And I don't know if that's the case with Clyde Edwards-Lair. I We've seen Andy Reid back from his Eagles days use two running backs a lot, obviously, you know, after the Westbrook days. But uh, Andy Reid has used a, a, an almost running back by committee in the past, and I don't think he'll be against doing it again. The question was always what he had in those two running backs and, uh, you know, the value of Alaire over Williams. But with how Williams has performed, I don't see why he wouldn't continue to be involved in this offense, even if it's just as a third down back, pass catching back, something like that. But I could absolutely see uh, Daryl cutting into what was Clyde Edwards-Alaire workload. And so if you have someone who's willing to buy in on when Clyde gets back, he'll just fill in. And, and replicate Daryl's production. I don't think that's the case. And so that's the the fantasy manager that I'm looking for to trade uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire away to before he even comes back and we see what you know that may look like. I think that's a good call, man. This is not the time of year to, look, you're going to take risks like Javante Williams, Corey Davis, Miles Sanders, even Ryan Tannehill. They're risky because they haven't blown up yet with consistency necessarily, although we do have a track record with Tannehill, of course. Um, but those guys, at least like the numbers are trending the right way. CEH wasn't CEH last year, at least draft capital wise. And he wasn't CEH before he got injured. Darrell Williams comes in. He's more efficient. The Chiefs offense finally was the Chiefs offense, you know, um, this week, but they haven't been for the last month. So what are you actually going to get over from the team, let alone the player? So I'm with Jordan here. I'm actually, I have no CEH because I was kind of scared off last year with the draft capital. So this isn't an issue for me, but if you do have CEH, I would be looking to uh, move off as well. And Derek Gore's come in pretty well. We'll see what happens with the rest of these guys, but I, I also am going to fade CEH. Good call there. Okay. I'm going to jump into my tradeaway candidates as well. And again, just like TJ Hawkinson and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, these two guys are really tricky to suggest a fade. First of all, I have them on like four of my eight teams each. I'm super high on both these guys. I love the players. I love their workload for the most part, but the situations currently make me a bit nervous. I'm hoping there's still some hype around these guys, and I'm looking to move off of potentially move one of these guys for some of our trade fours and others. The first one for me is going to be New England running back Damian Harris. Now, I'm going to preface this with saying if you like any of these guys, don't trade them away because we suggested that you do that. And if you trust our advice, thank you. <laughs> but think think on your own. Like this is team structure. These are running backs. It's very hard to get rid of. A run now, CH hasn't played in a month. So getting rid of him is different. Damian Harris has been, frankly, dominant as the lead guy for New England. Uh, so don't just give away Damian Harris. Look to sell up. The problem is coming off of a concussion. He was limited in practice. We're recording on Tuesday. He was limited today in practice. J.J. Taylor is uh, active, and he and Ramondre Stevenson were the beneficiaries this week in practice. Brandon Bolden also has a hip injury. But Ramondre Stevenson, I mentioned preseason for the rookie Ramondre Stevenson, and people kind of laughed at me and gave me shit about it because it's preseason. I only care about preseason if it's a new player in a new scheme on a new team or if it's a rookie because that's all we have to go off of. And Ramondre Stevenson absolutely crushed in preseason. That matters to me. I mentioned it multiple times, and here we are. Last week, 
getting the start with Damian Harris out against the Browns, 24 touches, 114 yards from scrimmage, and two touchdowns for Ramondre Stevenson. Look, Uncle Bill's not dumb, folks, right? Ten Super Bowls of Brady, two more before Brady. Like, he's going to play the best player. He's going to play the best opportunity. We know that in fantasy football history, New England running backs are the hardest to dissect, right? If Ramondre Stevenson plays very well, even when Harris comes back healthy, I think he's going to get more of a workload, right? So Harris is a great player when he getting when he is getting that workload. But on top of Ramondre Stevenson getting work now and being very impressive, and Harris coming off of a concussion, the New England Patriots have the worst running back rest of schedule, strength of schedule. Their opponents, and I mentioned this for the uh, Brown or for the Broncos, excuse me. Third best with the opponents rest of season. The Patriots are the worst remaining opponents, letting up only 14 on average. These opponents are giving up 14 PPR fantasy points per game to running backs. 14 PPR fantasy points. That's nothing, right? You add in those catches there. So Damian Harris with a, a tough schedule coming up for the Patriots, Patriots backfield in general, coming off of an injury, and Ramondre Stevenson, plus the other guys, and Mac Jones starting to play much better as well. He's going to have good games. He's going to score multiple touchdowns because that's what the Patriots do on the ground. But if you can sell high, I think, on Damian Harris and the potential of what his uh, preseason, the last couple of weeks he's been dominant, 101 yards, 106 yards, 80 yards, and then he got injured, but he scored one, two, three, four, five, six touchdowns over the last handful of games. That's awesome. But – I think it's trending maybe in more of a timeshare. I want to move off of that, get a higher upside guy if I possibly can with more definite workload. And again, I love Damian Harris in general, but if I can move up, I always want to try to do that. And he is somebody that if he stays on my team, he's fine. He's an RB too. But if I can move him up maybe or package him for somebody with more guaranteed workload and efficiency, I'm going to do that. Thoughts on Damian Harris? Yeah, the interesting thing is I actually have a, lo- a decent amount of Damian Harris and a couple where I have Harris and Stevenson. Mostly it was for this week and in the past couple weeks where I didn't know if, if one was going to be the starter, just go ahead and plug and play because I was afraid of that timeshare. And um, you said, you know, you referenced the how hard it's been to predict who's going to be the New England running back in fantasy for, for years now. And this year really has been the case in the sense of we know who's getting what workload, right? Like Damian Harris has been the guy when he's been the guy in terms of carries and runs, but has never been the pass catching back. And those passes were going to James White and then Brandon Bolden for a little bit. Um, Ramondre Stevenson does though seem to be the one that can do both. Uh, He's been, had games where he's heavily involved in um, the receiving work. Uh, But as you mentioned, clearly last week uh, can be efficient on the ground as well uh, as the lead back. And so, if they're both there, I you mentioned the 14 fantasy, PPR fantasy points per game for the rest of season schedule. If I'm in a timeshare and I'm even getting, you know, 80, 90% of that, I'm only still looking at 10, 12 points. So I agree with you in, in not enjoying the outlook of, you know, these two. I'd be willing to package, you know, let's just say I was, I was trying to come up with one, uh, but like a Damian Harris and a, wide receiver two for someone uh, with, you know, a higher, higher floor, maybe like a, I don't think DeAndre Swift owner would probably do it. Um, I think a little bit lower than DeAndre Swift. 
I like it. And and the resurgence of Antonio Gibson is uh, maybe somebody I would look at for Damian Harris, potentially with Antonio struggling over the last couple of weeks with his injury. And speaking of the Washington football team, my final fade here is his teammate, Terry McLaurin. And again, before you spit out your evening beverage, Terry McLaurin is one of my favorite players. He's animal, dude. I like Taylor Heineke but he's not a long-term answer when the Washington football team gets a really solid, or if Heineke grows into that player, whatever. Terry McLaurin has not yet hit his ceiling. In my opinion, he's been capped by quarterbacks. Uh, I think we've yet to see the, the, the top notch Terry McLaurin. We've seen 300 plus yard games and he has done it very effectively when given the opportunity. But again, Looking at rest of season strength of schedule, the Washington football team and Terry McLaurin have the second worst among wide receivers. Third worst when it comes to playoffs. I just mentioned Antonio Gibson finally coming back. 24 carries this last week. You know what that tells me? Look, if he had 24 carries for 24 yards, Jordan, I would still tell myself, this is a great sign for Antonio Gibson, although frustrating, simply because... Now we know he can handle the workload. The issue for the last month and a half with his toe issue and coming in preseason and blah, 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 was could he handle the workload and was he going to stay healthy? He's been off and on, you know, questionable game time decisions, getting taken out of the game for Jarrett Patterson, who I think is an awesome running back, but a rookie should not be playing in front of Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, who won't go away. Now you get 24 carries from Antonio Gibson. That's what Ron Rivera wants to do. That's what the Washington football team wants to do. That's how they are going to beat better teams than them, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is running the football and playing defense, although, of course, they lost Chase Young this week. Logan Thomas coming back, right? He's been on IR for the last month as well. Another option. Now, outside of my boy De'Ami Brown, there's not many other options there for the Washington football team in the air attack which is good for fantasy when you're like, oh, well, Terry McLaurin is, gets all the target share and blah, blah, blah. The problem is when you play a tough schedule, like second worst in the NFL coming up, you have a shutdown corner, a shutdown safety. Maybe you get you know shadowed or double coverage or whatever. There's no one else other than the run game to take off pressure from Terry McLaurin. That's a problem for me, right? And we saw it with Calvin Ridley before he has been out of football. Like with Julio Jones, even a hurt Julio Jones, the number two Calvin Ridley was a dominant number one wide receiver in NFL and fantasy football because Julio was taking that double coverage. Well, Julio's gone now. So who are they get double covering? Ridley. He's still an elite athlete, but he's not as efficient. Unfortunately, Terry McLaurin needs a partner. Hopefully, De'Ami Brown next year can be that guy, but he doesn't have it yet. So I'm worried about Terry McLaurin long-term. Yes, he's got 100-plus yards and three touchdowns on the season, but we're 10 weeks in here, man. You know, with the player with his caliber and 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 um, uh, prolific athleticism, we should be having 90, 100 yards, you know, every week with touchdown upside. We're simply not having it. So Terry McLaurin is another player that I'm looking to move away from. But again, don't just get rid of him to get rid of him. You know, sell up if you possibly can. But Terry McLaurin is a guy, unfortunately, I'm looking to move away from in the second half if I can. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. A, a little bonus uh, 
by four, maybe. Uh, Logan Thomas uh, has the easiest rest of schedule season for tight ends uh, and easiest playoff schedule as well. So those defenses uh, have shut down Terry McLaurin and the wide receivers, uh, but might not uh, for Logan Thomas. Um, so it's really interesting. Uh, another you know thing that I was looking at is you know who who of wide receivers has an easy schedule rest of season that might be involved in a trade where you're trading away Terry McLaurin. Hunter Renfro uh, of the Las Vegas Raiders has the fifth best uh, season schedule rest of season for the wide receivers position. So if you're looking at, you know, a little bit of needing some running back help, but don't want to lose that startable serviceable wide receiver, um, you could be looking to package McLaurin with one of your running backs for uh, uh, Renfro plus a, you know, I'd try to upgrade that, that then RB2 that you have currently. I think that's a good call. Again, do not give these players away for free, but look to maybe move off of them. Again, the fades, TJ Hawkinson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Damian Harris, and Terry McLaurin. And a quick recap of our league winners, Miles Sanders, Corey Davis, Justin Fields, Ryan Tannehill, and Javante Williams. All right, before we get out of here, I do want to get to some quick comment section Q&A. We'll start up at the top here. Again, Beach coming in hot. Managed to get the W with Elijah Mitchell. Well done. Shouts out to the Niners. Duolingo 500 on YouTube. Should I do Fournette and Pittman for CeeDee Lamb and Mike Davis? Again, this is always weird to read because I can never tell if people are saying, should I trade away Fournette and Pittman or should I trade for Michael Pittman? So, Jordan, all I'm going to ask is which side of this trade would you prefer to have Fournette and Pittman or CeeDee Lamb and Mike Davis? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's all very, very uh, subjective in terms of like team construct. If you really need that stud wide receiver and Fournette's expendable to you to you because you drafted him late, um, then sure, I'm I'm okay with it. But let's let's assume here that you're starting Fournette and Pittman, and essentially would be replacing them with Ceedee Lamb and Mike Davis or whoever you're currently sitting uh, for Leonard Fournette. I'm prefer to continue to start Fournette and Pittman. Um, Pittman does have a tough season uh, rest of schedule, um, but it's just the clear number one uh, for Carson Wentz. And in that Indianapolis Colts offense, even with John and Taylor, Jonathan Taylor taking a lot of the work, I just, I'm, I'm confident with Pittman to not need that upgrade to CD to go all the way down to Mike Davis. I like that. Mike Davis is droppable to me, period. And Leonard Fournette is Leonard Fournette. We're like six weeks out from playoff Lenny. So I'll take that. And Michael Pittman, uh, again, I mean, I think he's like climbing the hill and, and yet to hit his peak as well. Love him. Love CeeDee Lamb, of course. But Michael Pittman's the definite number one. Fournette is obviously the definite number one now as well for the Bucks. And Brady's going to correct it eventually. So I'll take the Fournette-Pittman side pretty handily in that one. All right, Kaysen's not a butt pirate. Thank you for coming in. What are your thoughts on Darnell Mooney? Also, start Schultz or Ertz. I alluded to this question earlier. Love Darnell Mooney. Get him on your team. The bye week should help. Justin Fields is my one of my league winners. Darnell Mooney's the man. Should I start Schultz or Ertz? I pulled it up for you here, and I hate to say this, and I can't believe I am. Before I pulled up the stats, I was like, Schultz, duh. Zach Ertz, I think, is the guy. So Schultz is going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Not a great matchup for tight ends. And Ertz is going against Seattle. And 
has played very well, again, with Colt McCoy the last two weeks. Four targets since being on the Cardinals. Four targets, four receptions. Five targets, three receptions. Six targets, four receptions. You want the targets. You want the workload. Dalton Schultz was getting those numbers before Michael Gallup came back last week, but also before the bye week. After the bye week, it's been run, 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 CeeDee Lamb. And Amari Cooper and Dak, you know, just wasn't anything against the, the Broncos, whatever. Dalton Schultz will be fine moving forward, but in this particular matchup in this week, I'm going to lean Zach Ertz. You want your old boy Ertz, or are you going with the rival Schultz? So, it, it, I mean, it depends. I think the most, the biggest defender here is whether or not um, DeAndre Hopkins plays. If Hopkins plays, obviously, right. I, I give Ertz a little bit of a ding uh, in terms of whether or not I'd start him over Schultz. But um, if Hopkins plays, I start Schultz over Ertz. Uh, if he doesn't, flip a coin on Sunday morning. <laughs> All right, you got it. Greg Brown, I have Travis Kelsey and Kyle Pitts. Trade Pitts for Miles Gaskin? Question mark. Okay, first question, and let me see if he got back in the comment section. Did not. So, Greg, uh, open conversation, and then Jordan and I don't know, so we're going to have to talk through everything here. First conversation clearly is going to be, is this redraft or dynasty? If it's dynasty, do not get rid of Pitts. Because you're even suggesting it, I'm going to assume it's a redraft. In that case, you're keeping Travis Kelsey. Obviously, his best game of the season last week. He's back to Travis Kelsey. Mahomes looked great. Whatever. Kyle Pitts, four Miles Gaskin. If you need a running back that bad, sure. I was not Miles Gaskin preseason. Haven't been this season. Am not moving forward. I know he's getting work. I think he could do better than that for Kyle Pitts personally. I'm not going to do Pitts for Gaskin, but Pitts for a running back with you having Kelsey, I'm okay with, but not Gaskin, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I would not trade away Pitts. I mean, essentially what it would come down to is if you have Kelsey and Pitts, depending on who your wide receivers are, maybe you're probably flexing Pitts right now. So you trade away Pitts, the question becomes, do I want to flex Gaskin over Pitts? And that answer is no. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Tindale. I hope I'm saying that properly. Trade Fournette for James Conner and Cordero Patterson. Okay, we just talked about Fournette a little bit. James Conner's been out of his mind scoring touchdowns, lead the NFL in running backs and touchdowns with 11 now. Fantastic. Um, Cordero Patterson has an ankle injury questionable for this week. There's sources that are giving like a one to three week outage for Cordero Patterson. You're trading one running back for two but you're trading the best player, in my opinion, long-term in this deal. So this one's kind of tough for me, man. I think with Patterson on the fringe, I would hold up till Saturday at least until we figure out what's up with Patterson. But I'm actually okay with Connor and Patterson if Patterson's going to be able to play. If he's going to be out a couple of weeks, obviously I want to stick with Fournette. Yeah, I think the the tough part about this one is that like roster depth really doesn't mean much in terms of fantasy from a, a week to week perspective, because you can always find that spot start at, at running back or wide receiver that, um, you know, you could kind of just fill your running back to week to week, as opposed to why trade away Fournette for James Conner and Patterson. You're probably not going to start both of those running backs. Um, you know, if Fournette's one of your, one of the guys on your team. Um, so I don't think you're going to start both of those guys. So the question again becomes, would I start Fournette over James Conner? Would I start Fournette over Patterson? And most weeks, the answer is yes. So I want Fournette. Yeah, likewise. All right, Victor coming in here. 
Sky always has sick buckets. Canadian for hats. Okay, first of all, shouts out to our friends across the border. Big up to our boy, Corey. Look, Bush and the rest of the crew over at Fantasy Stock Exchange. Top-notch, top-notch fantasy football analysis. Great YouTube channel. Better people. We've had Bush on the show quite a few times. Lucas is a good family with those guys. We need to get Danny and, and, and Tyler back on, too. It's been a long time. So, shouts out to our Canadian folk across the border. Sick buckets. I didn't know buckets was Canadian for hats. I do have a lot of hats. I wear hats every week. Also, contrary to popular belief, I got a I got a full head of lettuce as well. I'm just a baseball player, so I wear hats, and Jordan does as well every show as well. Now, that being said, this particular hat tonight, this is the high school that my daughter goes to and uh, had to rep the uh, the Highlanders. Um, so, shouts out to uh, North Eugene. But I've got a lot of other hats, too. I've worn hats my entire life. So, if you can recommend, Victor, a quality Canadian bucket, a team or something, let me know. And uh, I'm not I'm not opposed to it. All right, you did have a question down here as well. Offered Pittman, AJ Green, and and a second oh second rounder for DK Metcalf. Would you do that trade offer, or would you make interest for anyone else? So Pittman, AJ Green, and a second for DK Metcalf. This is obviously dynasty. Yeah, I, I prefer Metcalf here. I mean, in terms of like age, you're getting nothing out of Green. Pittman's slightly younger than Metcalf in terms of. Uh, NFL career, but I'm not actually sure about age. I, I think DK is actually pretty young. Um, he is very young. Yep. Yeah, I think he's 24. He's younger than than I am. So, in terms of like, I want Metcalf here. Like the the promise or the illusion of what a, a second round pick could be next year versus what I already know I have in DK. And it's not like I'm selling him. Uh, for like a should I go after a guy like Hunt or Sanders for fantasy playoffs or no? Well, let's dial it back 45 minutes ago. Miles Sanders, definitely a guy you want to go after. Kareem Hunt, to in my opinion, is also another guy to go after as well. Uh coming back. But Dearness Johnson might hold more of a role, but we've we've seen him disappear when Chubb and Hunt are available as well. So Zach Moss, Renfro, and Gaskin to trade. Who are you going after? Obviously, Sanders, Jordan. He was your uh, league winner there. But Kareem Hunt or somebody else as well? Yeah, I mean, Sanders would definitely be my go-to. Hunt, I I, I hear the uh, Dearness Johnson. I actually love the kid's story, too. Me too. Uh, is, is now my girlfriend's favorite player because uh, I Boom. told her the story. And she was like, oh, I, I like him now. Um, but, I mean, so for this, if you have Zach Moss, Renfro, Gaskin, I mean, I'd – even go as far as Renfro and Gaskin or Renfro and Moss uh, to get Sanders. I'm fine with that trade. Um, I like Hunt. I just like the uh, the more secure injury. I mean, Hunt, we thought, might have been out for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah. When he was injured, uh, Sanders' Sanders's injury was obviously a lot more mild. Yep. Likewise. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, Renfro's fun in PPR leagues, but I'm okay to get rid of Moss and Gaskin. Um yeah. So if you want to double both those guys up to get one of these other ones, I'm okay with that. And usually two running backs for one, you can usually get, especially with hurt players, because they're unusable right now. Okay, appreciate it, Michael. Thank you for tuning in. Everybody else, thank you very much for tuning in here. We went overtime for you this evening. Jordan and I holding it down for episode 502. 
we did our second half league winners, Miles Sanders, Corey Davis, Justin Fields, Ryan Tannehill, Javante Williams, and our second half fades or trade away candidates. Unfortunately, TJ Hawkinson, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Damian Harris, and Terry McLaurin. Buck, Bob, and Levy coming up tomorrow with their version of this same episode. Stick with us for episode 503 coming up tomorrow. Make sure you get a subscription to all of our channels and find the TCK Potters and the Fantasy Focus community on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. You can find Jordan and I on Twitter at Sky Guasco and Jay Della Valley 7. This episode and all episodes of the TCK Pod have been brought to you by Bet Online AG and the Believe podcast networks thanks everyone for tuning out with us extra long for you tonight we'll be back with you tomorrow buck bob and levy and of course catch us sunday morning 10 a.m to 1 p.m three hours before kickoff for your start sits we'll catch you next time for jordan della valley i am your host guy guasco and we are out of here Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.